Brothers and sisters in Christ, I bid you grace and peace in the name of the risen and holy God. Take a moment before hearing the scripture reading for this morning and our proclamation to breathe. Fill yourself with God's Spirit. Cast away all the worries of the world. And join me in prayer. Holy, holy, holy Lord, the God who, who spirit is transformational, the God who calls us to be in authentic community, might we hear the proclamation of your holy word and be transformed. Might we be transformed into the likeness of Christ as we strive to live out the calling given to us in his living, death, and resurrection, to be an authentic community who lives and is guided by the Spirit of God. We pray these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The scripture reading for today comes from Acts 2, 42-47. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who believed were together and had all things in common. And they began to sell their possessions and their property and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. And by day, by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their numbers, day by day, those who were being saved. This It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Like many pastors, upon first reading this text for today, I thought to myself, this is the perfect church. This is the perfect church, and everything seems to be running so smoothly. They're growing, they're learning, they're being formed as disciples of Jesus Christ. And what's more, it seems to be happening in an authentic and organic way that can only be done by God's Spirit. And I know that I'm not the only person who has ever thought like this. The reality is many have pointed to this model as the text, I'm sorry, as a model for how the church should look and have beckoned us to go back to the early church model of doing church. I have found namely that those who do this say we must go back to a right preaching of the gospel. We must see our churches grow and that its growth is fundamentally the pastor's responsibility. Yet a deeper reading of this text shows us that this is not the case. The scripture is not giving credence to the faithfulness of the apostles. 
The scripture is not given credence to the faithfulness of the apostles. It is given glory to God who caused the community of faith together and it shares with us a glimpse of the loving kindness that God wishes to offer to the world through the church. And it specifically says that this is God's action for it is God who is adding to the numbers of the church. It is giving glory to God who called the community of faith together and it shares with us a glimpse of the loving kindness that God wishes to offer to the world through the church. And we as a people often tend to hear what we want to hear from the scriptures and blindly pass by the parts of the church's description that we don't want to hear. This is the nature of humans. And while a quick glance might proclaim to us that this is the perfect church, even me as a pastor, I must take a step back and say, that's not the case. While indeed at a quick glance we might think that this is the perfect church, perhaps that's because the description found in these verses are an initial state of harmony at the founding of the church. Yet this harmony almost immediately passes away in the next few verses and throughout the rest of the book of Acts, we'll see conflict begin to arise. Peter being arrested and the arising tension between the Christian church and the Jewish leaders and further reading will shed light on the tension that exists not just outside of the community of faith, but the tension that exists in the community of faith. The tension that exists in the community itself. The practice of sharing possessions led to people lying about their giving to make themselves look better. Then they experienced people choosing to give more provisions of food to Jewish women over the Greek women. A dispute that gets so bad that eventually it requires intervention from the apostles themselves. Then there is the controversy as to whether Gentile converts must observe the whole of the Mosaic law. The conflicts pile up and they go on and on and on. It reminds me of the stories I've heard where a person comes into a new church and everyone seems to love everyone. That is, until they're asked to serve on a ministerial board within the church and their illusions of the perfectedness, of the perfection of the church begins to fade. And they realize there are cracks in the community of faith. You see, while this initial harmony does not last, while this initial harmony does not last, it does point to the church's eschatological hope. That is to say, it points to the end goal of the church, the very essence of our calling as a church. It shows what the church can be at its best. And anyone who has been harmed by the church knows what the church can be at its worst. But this passage, this community of faith, this place in Acts, try to proclaim to us what the church can be at its best. 
What exactly is this ecological hope? What exactly is the hope that the church has to offer to the world? It is to live in a community of prophetic witness. A community that points to Christ's love, Christ's hope, Christ's mercy, Christ's grace, and the justice of God. The beauty of the Easter proclamation is that all people, all people are welcomed into the body of Christ. Yet so often we tend to claim an individualistic approach to being and doing church where we make the resurrection and where we make Pentecost, the birth of the church, into moments of individuality. Where the church becomes about ourselves and our personal professions of faith and our wants. One commentary rightly notes, quote, Both the resurrection and Pentecost become individual moments in the lives of believers, personal professions that allow us to negotiate and navigate the meaning of the resurrection and Pentecost without attention to the other, unquote. You see, we like to think that this passage is all about the faithfulness of the apostles, but this passage is about moving from the individual wants and desires to being about the community, to thinking about the other. What Luke is trying to share with us is not a vision of the perfect community of faith, but rather, Luke is reminding the reader that Christ's resurrection and our acceptance of Christ as our Savior is not a personal claim to secure ourselves in the afterlife. It is not about heaven. It is not about ourselves. Rather, to follow Christ is to be initiated into Christ's holy church. It is to be incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation. It is to be an intentional community. It is to be an intentional community. It is to remember that Jesus Christ is my Savior. And the more that I live into the likeness of Christ, the more I don't care about myself, the more I care about the other. The more it becomes less about me, and the more it becomes about how I might serve and give glory to God. It is about being in intentional community. These verses do not lay down walls or concrete structures for Christian living. Rather, the community in the books of Acts strives to mutually serve the other even in the midst of their differences. So often, we are told that the church is not supposed to be of the world, and therefore, we dismiss things that we deem to be worldly and even ridicule or question those who believe differently than us as being unchristian. Yet, our passage for today points out that the church doesn't exist just in of itself, The church doesn't exist just in and of themselves. They do not only interact with their own community. Instead, the lines are blurred as the distinction between the sacred and the secular are often merged together. What do I mean by this? I mean that the church does not stay in its own circle. 
but goes out and worships in public spaces. They feed those who are not Christian, and they care for those who believe differently than they do. More than that, they invite those who believe differently than they do into spaces of eating, and they dine together. They invite people into community. And it is through this radical hospitality that God works through the church. A radical hospitality that is only possible by the Spirit of God. Did the early church really live in this type of intentional community? I believe so. The scriptures even share with us the four marks or themes of the church. This vision of the church as laid before us in Acts also invites us to live in radical community, to be continually devoting ourselves to the work of God as found in the midst of the community of faith. The first mark is the proclamation of the word. The first mark is the proclamation of the word. Not only did they hear the teaching of the apostles, But they did so not as individuals, but as a community. Hearing God's word and engaging God's word as a community, as a body where we hold different views and are challenged by each other's views, is how we come to know Christ. It is how we deepen in our understanding of who God is. I've had many people, even those who are not Christians, reveal something to me about God. We cannot continually meet in spaces where we all agree. Disagreement is not a bad thing. Disagreement leads to challenge and it leads to growth and it leads to something deeper if we remove our individualistic ego to be right. You see, living in community means that we have to stop being individualistic. We have to stop holding on to our prideful views of the scripture. That includes myself. And we have to be willing to engage deeply in the other points of view that people have about the scriptures. That through and by these views, we we can pray and test our faith and grow in faith with one another. The second mark is fellowship. Oftentimes when we talk about forming some type of fellowship event or church program, the question asked is how we will draw these people into the church. We then set up a measurement of metrics and we say to ourselves, if we offer this program and no one from the program comes into the church by this date, then we need to move on and we need to stop wasting our money. The community in the scripture did not devote themselves to evangelism. They did not set up a program of metrics. They did not ask who was worthy of receiving the benefits of being in community. They did not ask who was worthy of receiving money. Rather, they sought out those who had needs. They did not set up some type of metric of success. 
They set out to live out their relationship with God. And in the process, they realized that one cannot separate our relationship with God from our relationship with one another. We should offer fellowship events not as an evangelistic event where we try to bring people into the church, but as a way to learn something about those around us. But as a way to learn something about those around us. The problem that we have as a church is so often we're transactional. If you come to the church, I will feed you, and that's it. If you come to the church, I'll feed you in a hunger program, and that's it. We need to be more than transactional. We need to be relational. This was a conversation I had with one of my first churches. They would go, and they would be a part of this community uh, of churches who would offer food to those who were homeless in the community surrounding the church. <clears throat> and the first time I went and uh, took part in creating a meal and putting together a meal for this group of people, I watched as my church members fed them, served them, and then went back into the kitchen where they themselves then joined each other in fellowship and ate together. And I went into the kitchen and I said to them, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? This isn't what the church is called to do. The church is called to go and sit with those people whom we deem to be less worthy than us and to learn something from them. My members didn't laugh at me and ridicule me. Instead, they went and they sat at different faces at the tables and began to be in community with the less fortunate. I began to get questions. Tim, what are you doing differently than these other churches? How come they love you guys so much? And I told the other pastors in that area, it's because my church is intentional. They not only feed them, but then they talk with them. This is the beauty of being in community. The community doesn't stay within itself, but bursts out onto the scenes of the world, wanting to be in community with all people. We should offer events not to be evangelistic and trying to get people into the church, but as a way to learn something about those around us and to be taught something by those around us. The third mark is the breaking of bread. Eating together is so, eating together is something we often take advantage of. Yet, eating together is an important part of being in community. It is the place where the lines should begin to blur as God takes ordinary things such as food and time and blends them together into conversational moments that blossom into relationships. It is the space and place where you feel the loving embrace of others as you enter more deeply into conversation with 
the other. One of the hardest moments of ministry last year was when I had to share a report with Bassett Memorial about the financial state of the church and began to talk about the idea of discontinuance of the church. And as you can imagine, it was a deeply somber time of conversation, and there were many emotions in the room. Yet what shocked me the most was after we had this conversation about the possibility of closing, we prayed, and then the church went into the fellowship hall where the mood went from somber to joy as we celebrated the new life that me and Sierra were going to be bringing into the world. The love shared with me in that moment was transformational, faithful, and beautiful. Even in the midst of their pain, even in the midst of their grief, even in the midst of my own pain and grief, we were able to break and share a meal and celebrate the joyful thing going on in the life of each other. To this day, the former members of Bassett Memorial United Methodist Church continue to meet together and share a meal on the third Thursday of each month. In part because God took the challenges of discontinuing, the difficult conversations, our desire, and our crushed dreams, and brought new life, and the body of believers continued to find ways to be in community, and they choose to do this through the breaking of bread. Why? Because it is through and by that breaking of bread, it is through sitting at the table that they can engage each other more deeply in conversation and hold one another accountable. I keep wondering how might our church do that? What would it look like if we eat together more often and hold one another accountable in Christian love? The fourth mark of the church is that they prayed together. When you are in a close-knit community, everyone knows your struggles and supports you through it. That is, if you're willing to share your struggles openly and personally with each other. And the prayers of the early church as seen in Acts are not just empty words, but they are prayers that are backed with action. So often we pray that God will do something but then we don't do anything about it. Instead, the early church prays together and they see the need of each other and they sell their possessions and they give to those who are in need. Hmm. Might we be challenged by our Easter text this week to be a people of prayer and a people of actions, that we might pray and then live out our prayer as we seek to be a living embodiment of Jesus Christ our Lord. Might we be a people of intentionality? Furthermore, 
They did not just pray for themselves or by themselves. They prayed together and held one another accountable. They had a picked time to come together for praying. And I often wonder what might it look like for us to be a people of prayer. Yes, the church of Acts struggled. The church of Acts had divisions, and the church of Acts even splits. The beautiful thing is that even in the midst of the splits, even in the midst of human perfections, God continued to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. Maybe that's something we as God people need to hear. That even when we fail to be the perfect church, God shows up. That doesn't mean we shouldn't strive to be the perfect church. While we know the church is imperfect, we too, as God people, need to continue trying to reach the goal, to grow more like Christ, to devote ourselves more fully to God. We need to stop living out our individualistic faith and believe more powerfully in the power of God's Spirit, which calls us to be in community with each other. We need to allow God to change the way we live, what we say, what we do, how we eat, who we eat with and talk to. We need to find ways to be invitational. What might this look like today? Well, for Mount Olivet, maybe this coming year we can meet with and feed the volleyball teams or cheerleader teams who meet at our church. What could be better than being in a, a radical embodiment of God's hospitality? What could we learn from those who use our gym? And how might God move through that? What would it look like maybe to even begin having a morning prayer service? Or what might it look like for different clusters of people in the church to begin meeting together in their homes? How might God transform us? For Blow Hills, maybe it involves having a Bible study outside the four walls of our church. No matter what, the missional being and belonging of the church does not start with us. Where does it start? First, it starts with a continual devoted commitment to Jesus Christ. The community of commitment starts with commitment to Jesus Christ. And through that commitment to Jesus Christ, it expands into commitment for others. Might we be a people who even in the midst of our differences, even in the midst of our disagreements, be so committed to Christ that we also are committed to each other. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, may your spirit move us and transform us into a community that is committed to you, that we might be an embodiment of who you are to the world. 
a God of relational and holy love for all people. We pray these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As the people of God go in peace, go in peace to share the love of God to all you come in contact with. And may the Spirit of God guide you to those with needs, that you might be an embodiment of Christ as you proclaim the Lord's favor upon them. Go in peace in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.